Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter. This here, right here, this woman here, this is Carrie Smith. Hello, Carter Laren. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm good. Can I tell you, I just got a haircut and I didn't have uh-huh. to wear a mask. And it's the first haircut uh-huh. I've had in a year and a half, a year. And uh, if you are in the Austin area and you want to get a good haircut, I nominate my friend. You don't have to wear a mask. She's at a haircutting school, so it's seven dollars. Wow! Isn't that crazy? Wow. You know how much I pay yeah. in LA. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. I get like the cheap. I go to like a cheap barber, and it's more than just for guys. It's like thirty bucks. It's like the cheapest barber I can find in the Bay Area. Well, yeah. and like near me. Yeah. There's she's... no cheap. There's no cheap barber. Yeah, she's great, and she's still a student, so they have the student prices there. Anyway, <laughs> I'll drop it in the comments later if you're in Austin or what the name of this school is. Um, but that's great, and then I'm just, look, it's beautiful outside. Uh, I went to several places today. I didn't have to wear a mask at the places I chose to go. They were It was all optional, so, I mean, I usually go without it anyway if I can get away with it, but it's nice when they're you don't have to worry about them stopping you. And uh, I'm getting excited about uh, getting married. Summer. Oh, and that, yes. And my our house, we're renovating. We're going to be renovating a really old house that was built in 1914. And I love old houses. Oh my gosh, me too. They're and so there's cool. I had to. Um, we're moving a little bit even further outside of the city because there's no way I could uh, we could afford a place like that here but um it I don't care I want to be in the boonies. Yeah. Can you <laughs> and, do me a favor? I just want some secret passages with like books that move on the shelf or whatever. Yeah. Like <laughs> if you're going to renovate for an old house, you have to have secret passages. And then we can film Scooby Doo parodies at your house. Yeah. Well, I do want to film stuff there. There's enough room to have a studio, a podcast studio and uh, like a music recording studio and a stage out back like so it'll be cool a we can stage? record stuff wow. yeah i'll put a secret passage from the the bathroom under the stairs out to the barn <laughs> okay that's not the best but i'll take it okay <laughs> a secret passage as a concession i will take that um when i visit i'll use yes uh <laughs> yeah and you will be visiting soon yeah well that's the plan um yeah we have to hold off on any yeah but that is the plan to visit yeah. soon. Um, what about you? What's California like? <laughs> uh, we're supposed to be celebrating because our many of the counties in the Bay Area have moved from, I don't even know their, co- they have some stupid color coding system from like purple to red. I, I love how bureaucrats have to like, <laughs> They've got to like color code. It's like, it's like that the the OCD person who's yeah. in charge of the legal file cabinet in your office who's got like all the every everything that's with to do with this is red with the red thing, and then there's, <laughs> they color code everything and it's all organized. So they color like we have color coded thing in California with counties, and I guess red is better than purple, which is counterintuitive, but whatever. Red is better than purple, so we're moving from purple to red, everyone. I guess most of the counties at this point have moved. But it's, I think it means that you can go to the gym, but you have to wear a mask. Like, my daughter has ballet lessons. She's been doing ballet, and she does um, 
she's been doing it online and they the ballet school was like hey we can now we can do it in person but you have to wear a mask and she was like i don't I'd rather, do it I'll go home. online. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to. We had to choose. So she's like, I choose online. I was like, all right. Like, you know, I just ran into, I was standing in line at the gas station, not wearing a mask. And there were two young guys in front of me in baseball uniforms. And they had the uh, the uh, balaclava, balaclava, you know, that, that kind of mask. Oh, yeah. And yeah. The thing that used to be Antifa, but now everyone wears Right, and I asked them if they have to wear that when they play, and they said yes. Unfortunately, it sucks. They have to wear that while running bases. Yeah, I, Can you I believe outside playing baseball have to wear a mask while physically exerting yourself trying to score a homer? Because reasons. Yeah. Anyway, um, they did not seem yeah. happy about it. Yeah, I would. I mean, mm. I understood. She was, you know, I understood when my daughter was like, I don't. I'll just do it at home. I'm like, I, I get yeah. it. But supposedly we're supposed to be. So what they do, what the authoritarians like to do is they, they clamp down with unreasonable uh, rules. And then when they let up a little bit, you're supposed to go, ah. It's like someone stepping on your face and they slightly like, you know, they move their heel a little bit. So it's slightly more comfortable and you're supposed to thank them. That's kind of how, <laughs> that's how society is now. That's how, um, that's how it was here in Texas when the governor you know, said we're going to open up and no mask, masks are not required and we're going to open up to full capa- full capacity at restaurants and stuff. Everybody's, you know, it's like we're, we're moving the boot up a little bit. Aren't you so happy? It's like, you know, the boot should have never been there in the first place. I mean, I'm happy, <laughs> yeah. but it's it, it's weird how they move the goalposts like that That's and they get you to, just like this whole double masking thing, so that you think one mask is reasonable. It's like, hey, but we only require one mask. Oh, thank <laughs> right, yeah. you. Hey, uh-huh. <laughs> it's not your firstborn child anymore. Now you can choose from any one of your children to sacrifice right. to the state. Um, yeah. You know, the other thing that pisses me off, I don't, did you see this $1.9 trillion relief package that uh, Biden and Ilk passed? I saw it passed, and I saw Bitcoin went over 60 Okay. Well, it's, it's 100% borrowed, just be clear. Mm. So that $1.9 trillion, I guess they said it's 100% borrowed, although I also read somewhere that said Trump left a trillion dollars sitting around, which I don't understand how that's possible since we're in debt. So I guess he had maybe a trillion dollar line of credit. I don't know what the trillion future, A trillion future dollars that your grandkids <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know what, I, I don't know the details, but it's basically all borrowed. This $1.9 trillion is all borrowed. And I saw Ron uh, DeSantis, who's the governor of florida complained about this and it's uh i think it's a valid complaint there's like hundreds of millions of dollars of this are going to states that that hurt themselves through locking down right so like it's a it's a wealth transfer from states like florida and georgia who like kept their economies going as much as they could to states like new york who you know, through seniors and old folks homes and shut their economies down. They're 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 subsidizing bad decisions, bad which decisions. is I guess a common practice in government. But yeah. That makes me so yeah. angry. Yeah. I mean and the whole the whole point of America was like fifty little experiments. And, you know, you can one works, one doesn't, you like one better than the other, you move. But we've moved into this We've moved into this idea of America as like, well, the federal government is the big powerful thing and they just tax everyone and then distribute the money. It's it's there's no difference between Florida and, you know, New York if they can just 
tax them both and then distribute them however they want. Yeah. Like, oh, it doesn't. Your experiment worked, and and New York's experiment failed. Well, we're they, we're going to take some of those, some of your money now, and give it to the right. failed. Yeah, and it's a, it's a moral hazard also because what you want. I mean, you know, you and I have I, I, we agree on the moral principles of the mask mandates aside, right? Just put that aside for a second. Just practically, if you're a state, um, you should be weighing carefully locking down. And the cost of locking down versus the benefits of locking down. This should be a this should be a thought process you should be having. Like, well, look, we could do this, but it's going to cost us that, and blah blah blah. It's like what they did with Wall Street. As soon as you remove the consequences of bad decisions, then you open up the floodgates for bad decisions constantly. Like, if there are no downsides to shutting down your economy because the feds are going to print a bunch of money and mail it off to your state because you screwed it up then who cares? You don't longer have to make those decisions. Politicians don't get punished for making bad decisions because the public doesn't notice where the money's coming from or what's going on. They just like, oh, things aren't as bad as they would have been. So, oh well, you know, yeah. everything's fine. But it's just like what they did with Wall Street for the financial crisis, right? Wall Street places all these bets and when they pay off, they keep the money. Uh, and when they don't go well, the government rushes in to socialize their losses and 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 pay for it. and that creates horrible actors on Wall Street. Like that's that's how you breed horrible actors, and that's what they're doing to the states with this COVID crap. What's a they're, good they're analogy? They're breeding Gretchen's. What's a good analogy people can think of, like in a personal, like if you have two kids and you give them a sum of money, like a hundred bucks, and one kid goes and gambles it and loses it, and the other kid puts it in a savings account and makes a little bit of money on it, or puts it in Bitcoin, and makes a little bit of money, and then telling that kid who thought ahead, hey, we're going to take some of that and give it to your sibling because right. they gambled theirs. <laughs> right. Right. I, actually, the analogy that I was thinking about beforehand, which is a little bit harsh, but uh, I don't like politicians. So here we go. Uh, like, I think of it as like, if you're breeding dogs and you breed a bunch of dogs and you, for generations, and you always select the dogs for breeding that bite people, like, I'm going to select biting dogs. And then, like, several generations later, a stranger comes onto your property and your dog mauls it. You, you're not allowed to be surprised at that point. Like, you've created an environment. You've created those dogs. And, like, that's what you do with people over generations and politicians and states and, like, societies when you say, okay, well, we're going to incentivize bad behavior. We're going to disincentivize good behavior. We're going to make them as equivalent as possible. Like, you're just encouraging generation after generation of people to make bad, bad decisions. And then you're not allowed to be surprised when later on they make really horrible decisions. Yeah. Because you bred it. You bred horrible decisions. That's yeah. what you did. I got into, uh, there's a local news station in Austin. It's like KUVE or KVUE. I can never remember. They publish a lot of woke stuff. You know, it's Austin. And sometimes I like to go in the comments there. I also love to go in the comments on the ACLU post because they're increasingly ridiculous. Um, By the but, way, I just really quickly, have they changed yeah. Austin's slogan to keep Austin woke yet? Because I'm expecting that Not yet. soon. No, okay. Not yet. But uh, somebody was saying, some woke leftist, I guess, they were taunting some other people in the comments and they said, you know, get used to it. Uh, Texas is turning blue. Get used to it. We've got so many people moving here from California now. Get used to it. And I, and I said, yeah, it, isn't that weird that they're moving here? 
They're moving here because California has become unlivable and is very expensive and mm. is not as safe as it used to be. And you pay a lot in taxes and, you know, and they're, and they're moving here because Texas is better. I but then they want to, hmm, mm. then they want to <laughs> change Texas. Interesting. Doesn't make any sense really, does it? <laughs> no. It, it, yeah, I don't, <clears throat> I'm not entirely, I mean, I, I get the, I get the libertarian and the, and the moral argument for allowing people to move around freely, but, uh, like, it almost might be better if states were like, if there's like a litmus test and Texas, Texas could be like, I don't know, you're from California. We have a quota of Californians and yeah. we've hit it this year. We hit and it. And we hit it by the end of January. We're done. So, uh, you know, you can only come here if you're from Montana or like we have our list of states that are cool. Yeah. Uh, but you're not allowed to. Why not? Out. Why don't we do that? And also we should do, <laughs> uh, my fellow suggested, what if we had what if you had to live here for a number of years, maybe two years, maybe five years or something before you received all the benefits of being an in-state resident? Right. Just to be clear, I know the moral arguments against what I'm saying. I'm just, this is like a thought experiment, but yeah. Um, I, I'm not a fan of, and so this is a problem generally though, and you can, this is America, right? Once you have a giant safety net, and our safety net doesn't have to be very big. It doesn't have to be very good in order for it to be superior to the standard of living for many countries around the world. Like, the, the, like <laughs> it doesn't, America is rich compared to, well, has been in the past, rich compared, and still is, I guess, compared to most of the world is very rich, especially third world countries. So your safety net doesn't have to be very high in order for people to, to look over at America and go, well, it's worth moving just for that, just for a yeah. safety net, it's worth moving. Um, you don't want those people. You want you want immigration. You want like entrepreneurs and people coming over, or just just people wanting to work hard, or like you want people coming over to that that are in love with the idea of individual rights and freedom and view America as a, a you know a better place to be. You you want those people, but you don't want people who are like, well, I'm working my ass off and living in poverty over in this country, and I can go not work my ass off and live better in America. I'll just do that. Like yeah. And, and, and maybe they're thinking about it from their kids' perspective, too. So uh, I, you get a moral – once you start instituting universal safety nets, you get a moral hazard, which is what we have, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and then you get conservatives start arguing about immigration, and then you get the left painting them as racist. But, of course, the left wouldn't paint them as racist if they were – you know, if for some re- if you could – if you had an incentive system that was reversed, right, and so only, only – right-leaning or conservative people were immigrating to the U.S., the left would be against immigration also, and like, and the right would be for immigration, and that would be, it's just, it's all about demographics and politics. That's the only, no one has a principled stance on it, really. Yeah. I don't think. Very few people. Um, someone says, if, if red states secede, we can absolutely stop the blue wave. Right. So if you're your own country, you could have a border, and, uh, you know. Another gen says, this is not a super chat, but another gen says, Gary promises to not bring California politics when we move to Texas. Gary from Nerdrotic is more than welcome. I've Look, I'm giving him the golden key to Texas. I'll give it to, <laughs> if they could just p- put me in charge. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I would uh, be a benevolent dictator. I would be a benevolent dictator <laughs> of the state of Texas. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, somebody else says, YouTube says, have you noticed that no one moves from blue state to blue state, only from blue to red? <laughs> right. Well, 
Um, well, and and the and the rush to California that made California great, like technically, like technologically, like a lot of people moved to California. There was kind of the Silicon Valley thing. California wasn't the socialist hellhole that it is now. Like it was much freer. It was a kind of a much freer place to be. And so people moved there, not, they didn't move there for socialism. They just, I guess, enacted it it over time. These policies result in deterioration over time, deterioration over time. um, So Brian says, that's the scenario I lived through. Brother and wife blew all their money going to Vegas and vacations and then expected family to give them money so they didn't lose their stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Family. Um, hold on one Wait, second. Do, I some super, my... do you want to do some super chats? Yeah. Can you pull oh. them up? I just have to let my dog out so he can. Oh, okay. He's whining. He wants to play with the other dogs. <laughs> all right. I'll fight you naked says, uh, the military denouncing Tucker makes my skin crawl. I wait. I didn't see this. I th- wait, I vaguely remember a headline. I'm going to look it up because we're trying to be more casual now. So I'm just going to look it up. The military denounced Tucker Carlson. Yeah, so Tucker, uh, I don't know if you saw, but the military. Um, <clears throat> Tucker oh, did a mocking thing. pregnant service members, right. it says. So okay. he did a thing about, you know, how we are making our military more feminine. And then the Marines on their Twitter account got partisan and political. Did I freeze up? I'm here. I'm just going to go grab something and you're talking. So I'm putting you. Oh, okay. It, it sounded like everything went quiet. Like back when my power was going out during the rolling brownouts or blackouts. So, um, yeah, so the Marines got partisan and, uh, went, you know, kind of went in on Tucker Carlson. I did see that. And then they did a mea culpa and said they would readjust their fire that they, they shouldn't have done that. Um, but uh, thank you. I'll fight you naked. Here, I'm just going to read some more until Carter gets back. I can't put them on the screen, but I'll read them. Adam Coleman. I saw Adam Coleman. Thank you, Adam. He said, I've come to the realization that the government has been designed to subsidize bad behavior for the appearance of doing something. I've come to that conclusion, too. Because if you if you look at, I can't remember who it was that first made me start thinking about incentives and policy. It might have been Larry Elder. Um, but but this whole idea of you when you look at policy, you have to think of what are you creating an incentive for, or are you um, are you creating an incentive for people to make good choices or bad choices? And a lot of policies incentivize the wrong things, and and it took me yeah. a while to see that. But I agree with you, Adam. I I just read Adam Coleman's. Yeah. Um, How about can you do uh, Connor mm-hmm. Max? Wait, that's not the one. Sorry, hold on. Yeah. What's the next one I got in the queue? Maybe I'm I'm confused. I'm just going to read Connor Mack. You can put things up as you want. Connor Mack says, hey, Carrie, curious if you still watch the Tom McDonald reaction videos. Hashtag H-O-G. Oh, that's his uh, his group, H-O-G. Uh, what is that? Hungover gang is what they're called. Yeah, I haven't watched any recently. I watched a lot of them. I watched um, Unframe of Mine with Daniel Wagner and... I'm forgetting his, I'm blanking on his co-host name. They did a, they did a good reaction video. If you want to check out on frame of mind, but then all the big rap reaction uh, channels were doing pop, very positive reactions. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I love, I dig Tom McDonald. Also, I heard when you, when you know, I'll sorry, just, go ahead. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll find it. 
<laughs> Maker Bluetooth, <laughs> thank you, says, just found your channel last month. My best friend of 10 years and I parted ways after he became one of the monster's tentacles. Wow, isn't that a way of, put it, of putting it? It was a painful experience, but I'm glad I was able to grow from it. You have a really positive outlook and that's good because a lot of times it's, it is really hard when you lose your, especially a best friend of 10 years. You know, I lost uh, a lot of friends and air quotes, you know, Facebook friends, acquaintances, people I kind of knew and was friendly with, but then I did lose some very close friends who are still in the social justice cult and it is painful, but the more it happens, I, I, I like what you said at the end, you were able to grow from it because, you know, this is going to sound cheesy or whatever, but it's true. It's you get stronger when you go through stuff like that. And then when it happens, if it happens again, you're not as, you're not, the hurt doesn't last as long. And also you'll find, and maybe this has happened for you already. And, and maybe uh, if it hasn't, it will happen, but you'll make new friends and better friends and stronger friends who won't ditch you over, you know, disagreeing with their ideology. And, you know, Carter was not a good friend. And I was, and, I mean, I, let's be honest. We, I was an acquaintance. I mean, you were an we, acquaintance were, we were until, Facebook friends, which doesn't count. Yeah. Carter was an acquaintance until I started waking up and going through that long process. And the nature of my post started changing a little bit. And, and I started losing a lot of social justice friends, but then acquaintances like Carter started reaching out and I started making, you know, Carter's my best friend now. And I've, got a couple of other best friends. Wait, that, that means that you're all best friends. I've got, I've got another very good friend um, who was an acquaintance before. And then she's one of my best friends now. She she reached out to me. People started like wanting to come to me and, and come out to me basically in private. She came out to me that she was a Trump voter, a Latina Trump voter. And Ooh. in Hollywood, works in Hollywood. And uh uh, and then over time, we just became really good friends. And before that, she was just a work acquaintance like you. And so yeah. you'll find anyway, the point is, I wouldn't trade any of that, even though it's painful, and it hurts and you're to lose people, and it makes you stronger, and you're going to open up space for something better. You have no idea what you're opening up space for, but there will be, you will find you're making room for new relationships, new projects you know, new focus, new, new things to, to put your focus on. I so. remember, was it like a year ago, you and I did a show called uh, Burning the Deadwood or something like that? Do you remember that show? We've done it twice at the beginning of each. We've done it twice in January. Oh, okay. We do it every yeah. year, but we didn't do mm -hmm. it this year, I guess. We did. Um, We did? Yeah. God, I'm so old. I'm just forgetting my we did it. Okay. Oh, no, we no, we didn't. We did it last year and the year before. Yeah. Wow, I'm losing track of time. Gaslighting me. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like that concept and it's something that changed. It made me so much happier in life. I mean, it's painful to do when you first start doing it. Um, but if you really have a zest for life, if you really love your life and you want to make the most of it, you know, one of the things that you realize is you're here on earth for a limited number of hours like there's a limited you have a limited number of times your heart is going to beat and then it's going to stop and there are seven something billion people on the planet uh there is you know if someone is in your life i mean obviously there are people in your life who you go through hard times with but the 
the overall relationship has enough value that you stick it out and, you know, and hopefully right. come out on the other side better and, and it can make your relationship like, stronger. So I'm not like saying you just ditch people in spouse. bad times. Yeah. Right. Right. But um, if there is someone in your life who, you know, you've, it's been years and they are not really changing and they're all they're doing is dragging you down or preventing you from moving forward or causing anxiety or suffering or whatever. I think a lot of people out of obligation, they feel some obligation to this concept of a relationship and they stick with it. And um, I don't, I don't think that's healthy. I think you're much happier mm -hmm. if you can re realize it's like, Oh, you know what? Yes, I was friends with this one for a long time, but things have changed. They are we're no longer in, we're no longer on the same path at all. Uh, and this person's uh, involvement in my life is is basically just pain at this point. I don't see it changing anytime in the future. There's not, you know, I don't. You don't have to be a jerk to them. You don't have to tell them off. But dialing down your amount of time to zero that you spend with them frees you up to spend time with the people in your life who there are people in your life who will challenge you make you better you will enjoy being around like why would you not want a life full of those people it's not like those people don't exist in the world it's not that's not your only friend that person that you've known for 10 years um so i it's tough but i can't emphasize enough how valuable i found that mindset shift and and you know i i can't imagine what my life would be like if I had to stick with the friend set that I had from 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I would be miserable. Yeah. It would be constant drama and like dealing with crap. I still have some of those, but again, you, you figure out who the real ones are from 20 years ago. I mean, there's a, a saying, I forget which book this is in. A friend told me about it, but it was, you know, you've probably heard this. Some, some people are in your, your life for a reason. And some people are in your life for a season. And very, I have heard that. And very aware. few people are in your life for a lifetime. And, yeah. and that helps you let go of that idea that every relationship you make is a lifetime relationship. Or even a seasonal one. Right. Sometimes they're just in your life for a specific reason and then they're gone. You know? And it yep. just it helps you. Under, I think it helped me anyway to, to let go of things and not be so uh, hoardy. I need to hoard this relationship right. <laughs> right. or worry about, which by the way is fine. It doesn't even need people. to be bad. Like just if someone can be in your life for a reason and it doesn't need to be like, there are people who are in my life, who were in my life in the past. Uh, there's nothing bad happened between us. They're not like, it's just, they were in my life. I, I guess you would say for a reason. I mean, you know, I cosmically, maybe I would d dispute the accuracy of that, but it's a good metaphor. Like they're in my life for a time for a particular thing. And, now they're not, and it's not. There's nothing against them. There's nothing. It doesn't. It's not a failure. It's just we have. We've gone our separate ways. We've got our priorities, and like, that's okay. I mean, life. Life moves on. I mean, especially if you're the kind of. If you've ever, you know, I guess the best example that I can think of is like the transitions from high school to college to the real world, and then getting married and having kids. When you get married and have kids, like you lose a whole bunch of friends because the friends that are like still single and like wanting to go out all the time you're kind of like yeah i'm gonna sit home and watch disney movies <laughs> and it's like they're not they don't want to hang out with you anymore and you kind of don't want to hang out with them because all they want to do is get drunk and talk about you know clubbing or whatever it is like I, that's not and really also, how my life was but well, whatever 
Also, you know, any kind of large lifestyle change, like if you leave an ideology like I did, like social justice ideology, that's a big lifestyle change. You're necessarily going to lose. Of course. Most, you, you might retain one or two, but you're going to lose most of those social justice people because you have an entirely different worldview now. And also because their belief system encourages them to cut contact with you. <laughs> you're, you're now an apostate. But uh, you're also, I mean, if you quit drinking, you're going to see a change in your friend groups. Not entirely. You may keep some of those friends, but you're going to lose others. You're going to lose some that were just there for the drinking with you. You know, yep. if you uh, decide to get healthy and get in shape, you you're, you might change friend groups as well. You might start to get more friends who do the health, the exercises that you like, whether it's hiking, which, by the way, is, is racist. We can talk about that later. I but that. <laughs> I can't believe I, you know, I, I hiking does have a diversity problem. Wait, let's just put that on the screen now since okay. I brought it up. Do you have that? Uh, let me find. Let me. Yeah, let me find it. Hold on. Uh, um, here, do do Mickey's super chat while I look for that. Okay, uh, Mickey, Mickey the fourth with those big check bucks. I don't know what the check <laughs> denomination is. Big check bucks. <laughs> Sup, my suffering Americans. <laughs> I will welcome you here in my free post-communist European country any day if you want to escape wokeness. Well, thank you for rolling out the red carpet. I appreciate it. Uh, and I've heard a lot of good things about post-communist countries. Like yeah. Poland is supposedly pretty good. Yeah. Poland. Um, so yeah. Um, and I don't know about Czechoslovakia. Although didn't didn't or Czech Republic didn't Yarmir Jager? Uh, sorry, didn't I think he came from Czech Republic? So there's something good there. So on the screen, can you make it full screen or no? Uh, yeah, I can. Hold on, let me hide so this comment. Yeah. Uh, and let me do this. There you so go. So thanks to Dan. Dan shared this on our page. I saw it. And and by the way, this isn't new, although this is a new article. This just came out. But they've been doing this for a while. If you look up, remember that joke we said, if you put in anything, any word, pick a word like hiking or coffee or uh, dogs, and then, and then put the word racist there too and, and do a search on the internet, and you'll find SJW articles about any subject saying that there's a racism problem in whatever that subject is anyway this, this is just <laughs> did you see the jp sears video about this where he had like blank things and he was like blank has a blank problem and he would just like substitute that... slides i heard that was ryan long or not 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 jp sears sorry ryan long yeah sorry. yeah ryan long's I, video I, I yeah him. yeah yeah <laughs> hiking has a diversity problem <laughs> yeah well, says, I would like any, to point anybody out. Anybody listening, just read the rest of it. The headline is yeah. hiking has a diversity problem. These BIPOC groups are working to fix it. <laughs> well, I like what I like about it is see this guy in a wheelchair. Yeah. He well, I'm I'm making an assumption about gender. Uh, see the Zer in a wheelchair. I think th this is proof that nature is a bigot because. I don't think naturally there's not a lot of naturally occurring wheelchair accessible uh, mountains and other features of nature. So I think we could just replace this with nature has a racist. No, not a racism. What would it be? Nature has an ableist problem. That's the article I want to see. Well, it's interesting that they throw uh, the, the person, the handicapped person in there and and somebody commented when I shared this, someone said, why are they always grouping those of us who are, you know, people of color? Is it is it on purpose that they're putting us in with disabled people as well? 
And in a way, I'm like, that's very kind of perceptive because in a way it, it is, this ideology does want you, if you're a person of color, to adopt the mindset that you're perpetually put upon and disabled and can't do certain things and need special assistance. And right. The, well, that's why they use the word privilege for, for the white cis yeah. males, right? Because their privilege and everyone else relative to them is disabled somehow by yeah. some virtue of something, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you right. Uh, this morning, I, th I heard this on NPR. This I can't believe San Francisco's. I think it was the mayor of San Francisco was saying this. I forget who. Someone in San Francisco. So let's put our, our COVID vac vaccination feelings aside. A lot of people want COVID vaccines, and they are in short supply. <clears throat> so uh, they are... <laughs> rolling they were first rolling them out to individuals that are in high-risk categories obviously like old people or whatever and they were supposed to then roll them out to people i guess at the next tier they were going to roll them out to is people with like pre-existing like i think under 60 but with pre-existing conditions or two or more like you know severe obesity plus blah 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 or whatever right um but san francisco there's a whole category of people that they've decided should have access to the vaccine that are, I'm not, I'm swear, I'm not kidding. They said people who identify as, as deaf and people who identify as having mental illnesses or mental like issues. So like all the people with the stuff in their Twitter profiles that are like, I'm, I have bipolar disorder. I have anxiety. They're now getting prioritized for the vaccine because they self-identify as having some issue which which I, means that i'm not a doctor but i think it's unrelated to your susceptibility to COVID. right and that also means that if you're if you're a narcissist if you have npd which would right. be, be funny if you admit that but if you have that means that narcissists are jumping the line <laughs> like, yeah exactly they are yeah first. <laughs> <laughs> psychopaths and narcissists psychopaths. you have a special vip yeah. line Ted Bundy, step right ahead. <laughs> I mean, I just <laughs> sociopaths, come on in. Let's make sure That's you right. get that first. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I just the whole thing is just funny to me that they're admitting it is also yeah. just funny to me. There was also a um, there was also a thing over in Oakland. I saw um, there was a, a post going around Twitter. I guess it was Twitter or somewhere. Uh, no, it was um. Shit, I forget. It doesn't matter. I I don't remember where I saw it. A bunch of people were getting, uh, a bunch of white people were being chastised for driving to the wrong vaccination sites and stealing. They're st stealing. They're they're getting vaccinated in areas that were designed for people of color to get vaccinated in, and that therefore they're stealing vaccines from the communities of color, and they should sit down and wait their turn um because i guess there's probably a lot of people in the suburbs that are just driving downtown to get vaccinated is my guess i don't know um so i have a couple of uh new comments about the vaccine one of these i shared we had a special yesterday for anyone who's not aware if you are a subscriber to our channel in in the financial sense if you support unsafe space at the 25 dollar level or above you have access to, we've only done two of these. We're trying these out and, and who knows what will happen. If people enjoy them, we'll keep doing them. If they don't, we'll stop. 
But we do these things. We've done a second one now yesterday called a speakeasy where we just do a video hangout session, kind of like book club, but it's private just for donors. And we just hang out and chat. So anyway, I shared this with that group yesterday. So they've already heard this, but uh, I happened to be somewhere on Saturday where there was a table next to me. I was reading, I sat in the reading book and there was a table next to me. We were outside and I heard them talking in hushed tones about the vaccine. And they were all basically like, you know, we don't want to take it. And this guy's like, I don't want to take that. Anything that it hasn't been tested for more than a year. We don't know the long-term side effects of a vaccine that hasn't been around for more than a year. And it's RNA also. I don't want an RNA. I don't know enough about that. It's not like the vaccines. Well, RNA vaccines are are brand new. So there can't possibly be longitudinal studies on RNA vaccines. Correct. And he said, and he he said, you know, rightly so. He's like, but and and I also don't want to be called an anti-vaxxer for having that position. It's a reasonable position. Not that being against vaccines isn't. I don't know enough about that to have an opinion. I'm just saying to lump people in who don't want this specific vaccine with people who don't want any vaccines is incorrect. But that's what's happening, of course. But they were kind of criticizing it, the vaccine and 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 this new vaccine culture that's developing, and they were doing so in hushed tones and. I got up and I walked over and I was like, excuse me, the vaccine police. And they, <laughs> they were like, it was, it was, even though that's absurd, they stopped for a second. It was like, what? You know, it's like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, it was been, really. <laughs> you got them though, right? There was a moment. Yeah, there was a moment where they were like, who's this person? <laughs> and then we all started laughing. Too bad you didn't have gloves and a mask. You yeah, I should have been putting on a glove. <laughs> Like with a little needle. Police. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, there are people who believe there should be vaccine police, basically. Yeah. Um, Here's what I'm worried about. Here's another thought about it. I might be traveling internationally in a year. I have a year. Mm. And uh, I don't want to, I don't know what they're going to be requiring to do that. Well, and... so actually the vaccine might be a problem. So I can tell you this because my wife travels to China. She can't get the vaccine. Oh, I don't know if she really? It doesn't matter. Because she will have the antibodies in her blood and they won't let her in China. Interesting. In I hope that holds true for other countries. I don't know <laughs> if that'll hold true for European countries. So what do you think? I don't know. But I mean, there's a lot of nuance here because right now a lot of people are still just looking for antibodies and they're like, okay, well, you can't be in. And if you've got the vaccine... You have antibodies. Well, I do not want to get it. And I was thinking, do you think there's like a black market for fake vaccine passports? There will be. (laughs) There will be. Absolutely, there will be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Not for me. If a person were doing this, I'm asking for them. For me. I'm just looking out for you guys in the comments. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I I, don't know. I think there will be. I, the travel thing, this is what will happen, right? We've talked about this before, but this is what's going to happen. They're going to do um, – they, they have already used COVID, obviously, to exercise more authority than uh, they are constitutionally or morally granted. And they're testing how far they can go. But one thing that will happen is this is a good, um, this is a great next step for them for 
something like China's social credit system, um, probably more yeah. semi-privatized, but not obviously not completely privatized. They'll just start to, I mean, look, we can, this is obvious to predict, right? They'll start to do things like, well, to go to school, you have to prove vaccination, which already is true for measles and other stuff, right? So if we're going to school, you're going to have to do that. They'll probably start doing it on devices. I've already seen schools like have an app on the device or whatever. So you're going to have to start proving vaccination to that. And then they're going to, well, to travel, to get on planes, you're going to have to do that. Well, certain, to use certain public transportation, you'll have to like. Certain employers are, are I've already heard of are requiring it yep. of their employees. It'll so, metastasize to everything. Let me ask the, you this. Yeah. By the way, I was just looking in the chat and people were saying, yeah, they think there will be black markets and then somebody said fake certificates already exist um so here's my Hook question me up with some fake certificates guy whoever said that oh mina mina vanderlee says carrie you spilled the beans loose lips <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, uh anyway do you think that there will be lawsuits from people who were forced to get the vaccine by their employer or otherwise there will be lawsuits the question is who will win i don't know right um but yeah i mean there's that's kind of a softball question, right? Because there's lawsuits about everything. Okay. The question, like, will they go anywhere? I don't know if they'll go anywhere. Um, I mean, the, I, they might not. It's a because yeah. you're choosing. A, yeah, a judge will say it, it's it's weird, right? Because they're all about free association when it's their cause, but not about free association when it's not their cause. So if an employer were to say, I want to pay you less than a minimum wage, would you like it? And you, you're not allowed to say yes. But if an employer, so the judge will rule that's illegal. But if you're allowed, but, but if the employer says, well, I don't want you to work here until you have a vaccine, suddenly, suddenly that might be something that the judge would completely uphold. Um, and you know, there's also a problem of like HIPAA requirements, right? Because there's also laws about employers aren't supposed to know what your medical. your medical conditions are. There's exceptions, I think, for like if you work in schools or whatever, I think you probably are required to be vaccinated just like the students are for various things. So you'll see teachers will absolutely be required to be vaccinated. But for private companies, uh, I don't know, maybe it will be a privacy concern. Like maybe you're not maybe they're not allowed access to that information. Yeah. Um, but you know what? They can always set up a culture of of vaccination and you'll they'll get 90% of the people to comply. They'll have, you know, in the lunchroom, they'll be like, come get your vaccination, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, they, they can do that, but you can't really stop them from that. I Speaking don't know. of the culture of vaccination, did you see Joe Biden made an announcement where he said um, everybody needs to do their part and get vaccinated. And if we all do this, we might be able to let you know if you can celebrate the 4th of July, but only at your house with a small group of people and not with a large group of people. But, but we might let you do that and stay tuned. We'll let you know what you can and can't do for the 4th of July, but better get those vaccines. So, cause then the reward will be that we might let you, have a small group of a small gathering you, in your backyard. <laughs> can we just pause on the irony of this for a moment? The government will tell you what you can and can't do on the day where you're supposed to celebrate the establishment of a government that has no right to tell you what you can and can't do. 
Like the whole constitution is about the people telling the government what the government can and can't do. Uh, Like not the other way around. Keith pointed this out. Like the the irony of, of not only the government saying that, but saying that about the celebration of the 4th of July is it's so dripping with irony. I just don't know. Yeah. We'll let you know if you can celebrate your freedom or not. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, you can celebrate not having to listen to us. We'll let you know if you can and how you can. You can celebrate your freedom from us. Hmm. I, don't, I don't think that's how that works. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. I No, and someone just said in chat, they can try. Obviously, no one's going to. I mean, the people who love celebrating the 4th of July are exactly the people who are going to give Biden the f- finger to that kind of a statement, right? Um, yeah. Other than people who just like fireworks and hot dogs. Like, I'm going to be doing whatever I want on the 4th of July, just like every other day, right. Mr. Biden, President Biden. But thank you puppet, for... Puppet Biden. <laughs> thank you for thinking that I somehow care what your opinion is. Um, oh, someone, some, Missy says, maybe this Independence Day I'll host a mask burning. That's an awesome idea. Yes. Missy, that's an awesome idea. Missy, we should actually encourage mask burning parties yeah. on that day. Why not? You guys, we're, this is this will be a thing now. If you want to do a mask burning on the 4th of July, please send us photos. That'll be fun. Yeah, we should do, we let's talk about that. Okay. We, we should totally do something around that. I like that idea. Or um, some type of firecracker that is made from masks. I like a mask wrapped around tanite. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Elvac knows what I'm talking about. Something like that, Elvac. Uh, speaking of masks or and vaccines, I'll fight you naked says, I managed to vaccinate my mom and aunt by sending them videos for a couple years, but my brother has blocked me on Facebook. He and his wife are gone. I think he means vaccinate them against wokeness, not COVID. Oh, wow. Well, they may not always be gone. And... I actually want to talk about, uh, can we talk about the Sarah Silverman thing? I know we talked about it in the private speakeasy yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Can we, do you mind if we get caught up on a few super chats before we move on? Um, Let me see what we got here. The next one I can put on screen is Pirate Tomsky. Do you want to read that one while I look through what else we have? Pirate Tomsky says, I'm not sure how they can make it a global thing as there are some people who can't physically receive the vaccine. Yeah, I'm just in, I'm just worried that they're going to say, well, then those people can't travel internationally, not on this airline. Like I'm, I'm, you know, we've seen the private airlines fall in line and say you must wear a mask on our plane. So dumb, and you can take it off when you're snacking, uh, but you can put it on to get on and then take it off. But so I'm, I think maybe I was just I was just thinking, what about what happens if the private airlines start to say you have to be vaccinated to travel? Or oh, they if, will. Or if individual c- countries start saying you have to be vaccinated to enter, or if the U.S. says you have to be vaccinated to come back, or you know, we have a friend—I won't say who—but we have a friend up in Canada, a friend of the show, who is probably going to need to come to the states for medical treatment. And you know, Canada is doing this vaccine passport thing now. Can you oh, imagine yeah. being like, yeah, c- contemplating—is it worth it to go get this medical treatment that I need? To, to also have to take this vaccine to get back into the country that this vaccine I don't want to yeah. take this this is crazy 
police state world that we're living in. They don't even, I mean, just to be, I, I'm not totally clear on this. I don't think this is true, but I don't think they require vaccines for polio and crap to come in the country. Do they? No, because my passport doesn't say that I've, you know, to get a passport, I've never had to. Well, I mean, I'm, like if, if you're if you're like a foreigner getting a visa to come in the U.S., I can ask uh, I can ask people I know who like I don't I don't think they require evidence of of small vaccines pox. for for measles yeah. or smallpox or polio. Uh, but COVID, did you read? By the way, did you read G Man's uh, "I'm in favor of your military staff entirely by pregnant women"? Did you read that one already or no? No, it did not. G-Man says, I'm in favor of our military being staffed entirely by pregnant women. Once you give birth, you're out of there. Carrie, this is sarcasm, FYI. <laughs> Thank you, G-Man. <laughs> Just helping I'm out so Carrie knows. Hey, this is sarcasm. <laughs> Mickey the Fourth says, oh, Poland is going borderline socialist again. Their government is nationalizing stuff. Oh, crap. Well, go Czech Republic again. The, you, you've convinced me, Mickey. Uh, Azor says, I was having a good day until Carrie brought up hiking. <laughs> you know, if you're white, you need to do the work, which means don't go hiking. <laughs> Kent, which Kent, means... not, not, sorry, not Kent. Zach Adamson says, D&D just add, added wheelchair accessible dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> My D&D character is... <laughs> In a wheelchair. Um, Cantor Newfortruck says pretty low oppression points for near deafness. Um, Michael W. says, have faith. Someday America will be post-communist too. Michael W., you win for that one. That was good. Yeah. Piratomsky says, I'm not sure how they can make it a global thing. We already read that. As one. there are some people who can't. Oh, physically. Yeah, you said that. Sorry. Um Super sticker from Roger Haynes. Okay, um, we're getting close to being caught up here. Um, G-Man. I'm going to read G-Man. I'm tired of people being called anti-vaxxers or anti-maskers, etc. So am I, actually. Thank you for pointing that out. Uh, making a personal decision not to participate is not the same as being anti. Thank you. Again, yeah. if you're not trying to make that decision for others. Thank you. Again. Yeah, that's, that that's a great worth. point. Yeah. Uh, and then Chris Raposo Chris. says they will keep you locked up and insane until 2024 so that when Kamala takes over, she's ushered in as a hero to the people. Mm. 12, four Biden, eight Kamala. Oh, wow. I mean, he's talking about years, years under. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, Possibly. Uh, regime. And then Jack I mean, that, Thorne, that's a good strategy. <clears throat> Jack Thorne says, do you know what impact hospitals have had during the pandemic? What can they do for a virus? We justified this for ICU beds. Did that even matter? No. I mean, not if you look at the numbers in Austin, it didn't. I mean, we had a ton of, there was a guy in a, one of our local groups who was always sharing the infection rates, the death rates, and the um, the number of vacant hospital beds. And as we pointed out before, it depends on where you're at. It depends. They wanted to pretend like every, like Texas is the same as New York city or, you know, that all these places are the same, but you know, there were hospitals that were vacant nurses staff had time to do lots of dancing and TikTok videos, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a very important part 
of the medical profession, Carrie, is, uh, is propaganda. Yeah, I was talking to my friend about this the other day, and he, he's a super smart guy and um, not at all like a statist generally. Um, but he, he started talking about the hospital thing our hospitals being overloaded and blah, blah, blah. And I had to stop him. And I was like, dude, you realize hospitals are private property, right? And shouldn't have anything to do with the government, right? And he was like, well, yeah. I'm like, okay, so that's the end of the argument. <laughs> like, if hospitals were actually private, and it was actually private property, they could decide how many people to let in or not let because he was like well once there are too many people in a hospital it increases the transmission rate i'm like okay so the person running that hospital can say sorry we're out of capacity now <laughs> like that's how they that can, works that's they can that's choose yeah but there's a real there's a real um people have a lot of difficulty i think separating out um the way things are from the principles for how things would be like under under the principles that they support like even people who are like oh I, I believe in limited government blah 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 but then you get them talking about hospitals and they're like well we have to do blah 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 and you, you have to point out like you know this is not the situation we're in right now is not the situation that would be in the world that you're advocating for there wouldn't be public like hospitals wouldn't be a public resource mm -hmm. because we also talked about shutting down businesses and stuff. And I was like, well, there wouldn't be so much public property. Like <laughs> private businesses are private businesses. So, you know, in a, in a world with limited government, there wouldn't be so much public space that the, the federal government wouldn't have control over the airlines. Now, granted, the airlines may still make the decisions they're making, right? But you gotta imagine, I don't wanna defend the airline industry because I don't really like them, but you have to imagine if you're an airline and you know, I mean, think about how tightly regulated the airlines are already. You probably are going to proactively do some mask mandate crap to keep the federal government off your ass. Because what you don't want them to do is shut you down completely. Because you know damn well that the minute that there's some kind of event or lots of people get COVID on a plane, they're going to say, well, we're going to ground all the flights and then you're screwed. So it's kind of like what the MPAA did, right? Motion pictures, there was a, there was a push. I don't know how many decades ago for yeah. like motion pictures are uh, putrid and corrupting our youth and blah, 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 blah. And they should be regulated. And there was a there was a push to start regulating, federally regulating content in motion pictures. And what the motion picture industry. I think it was the industry, 30s. I'm looking it up. Yeah. yeah. And what, most, what the motion picture industry did wisely was said, whoa, 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 we'll start our own organization called the MPA and we will self rate our movies well this one will be called pg this one will be called r whatever the this one will be called g they'll rate the movies so that the public knows there'll be some kind of standards and those standards aren't government controlled those standards are controlled by a consortium of uh, of people in the film industry and you don't have to get your movie rated you can do that but a lot of platforms a lot of theaters won't run your movie unless it's rated um by motion picture Look. association of america and and they forestalled they they were able to stave off government intervention doing that and you have to imagine a lot of industries do similar things let me read this to you because this is interesting mm -hmm. okay 1896 by the way 
COVID on a plane is my COVID on a plane is my favorite Sam Jackson movie. Um, eighteen ninety eighteen ninety six movies. Movies arrive in the U.S. and soon attract large and enthusiastic audiences. Critics assail them, including Thomas Edison's landmark 1896 film, The Kiss, as a threat to morality. 1907, Chicago enacts the first movie censorship law in America. Cities and states around the nation create local censorship boards. This is makes me think of like local. You, we got our diversity, inclusion, equity boards. We got our... COVID boards now. Cities and states around the nation create local censorship boards in the following years, resulting in a variety of different rules and standards. 1909, the National Board of Censorship, representing mainstream Protestantism, is created after complaints about, quote, indecent films causes movie theaters in New York City to close. By the 1920s, most Protestant critics of movies are calling for federal regulation of the industry. 1914, the Women's Christian Temperance Oh, those guys, um, which in 1906 condemned the influence of movies on health, well-being, and morals of impressionable youth, begins to lobby aggressively for government regulation of film. The WCTU claims that films are addictive and that they glorify war and violence and they cause crime, delinquency, and immoral behavior. Um, oh, I didn't know this. 1914, Margaret Sanger is indicted under federal obscenity laws for her book, A Woman Rebel. After additional indictments and arrests, she flees to Europe to return later and open the first birth control clinic in New York. Uh, 1915, in Mutual Film Corporation versus Industrial Commission of Ohio, the Supreme Court holds that movies are not protected by the First Amendment. <laughs> the ruling allows state and local boards to continue censoring films. 1915, the NAACP and others protest against Birth of a Nation, D.W. Griffith's film about the Civil War and Reconstruction which incites riots in Ohio, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, and Colorado. It will become the most banned film in U.S. history because of its controversial racial content. Okay, we're getting there. 1918, the Sedition Act and Espionage Act are passed, making it illegal for Americans to public, publicly criticize the United States government, the American flag, U.S. military, and the Constitution. 1919, the Supreme Court confirms the affirms the conviction of Eugene Debs for publicly opposing America's involvement in World War I. Over 10,000 suspected communists and anarchists are arrested in a series of raids conducted by Attorney General A. Mitchell Palmer and J. Edgar Hoover. And then here we go. 1922, the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America, later to become the Motion Picture Association of America, the MPAA, is formed led by former Postmaster General William H. Hayes. And I'll scroll on down. There's a bunch of stuff in here about the Scopes Monkey Trial, et cetera. Um, okay, so in 1930, it was the 30s, the MPAA, they create a code to maintain social and community values in the production of silent, synchronized, and talking motion pictures, also called the Production Code or the Hayes Code. So it was 1930, the Hayes Code. It condemns movies that, quote, lower the moral standards of viewers and promises that the sympathy of the audience shall never be thrown to the side of crime, wrongdoing, evil, or sin. Um, you know, we studied... <laughs> oh, that that lasted. Yeah. <laughs> we studied uh, some of this when I was in, in some of my, actually, women's studies classes at Duke. Um, they had certain rules where, and I can't remember if all of these were written, 
rules or if they just were understood, not written, but understood. I can't remember. Maybe some of the chat knows, but they had rules, moral rules. So if, for example, if a woman had an affair in a movie, she had to die. Like there had to be some punishment. She had to die or she had to lose everything or you couldn't have a woman, you know, so there were certain, they wanted to make sure that everything was teaching one, one uh, sort of belief system, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, this is why I, when I look back, I say there's things, there's things that I got from looking at gender and race and everything. There's things I definitely got from it. I think that it's just replacing one moral code for another though. They don't, they, they take everything too far. It's not enough to say, let's look back at history and look at how certain ideas about women's sexuality were enforced through culture. Then they say, and now we want to enforce this thing through culture. You know, they, they, they're like, look at those fundamentalists, you know, hold my beer. (laughs) You know, I, I, what I'm getting out of this, you reading that is, um, it's a reminder that America fell off of the individualism wagon pretty quickly. Like a hundred years ago, there were censorship boards. <laughs> like, yeah. like right? this isn't when people are saying like, what happened to our country? When did this happen? Sometimes it's the answer is like, what are you talking about? I know we said we weren't about that, but we kind of were always about that. Or, you know, for, for a very long time, we've been about that. It's just, it changed hands, as you're saying, right? As the women's temperance movement, it was the progressive, uh, the progressive Christian temperance Protestant people. Um, and now it's the social justice warriors. But, uh, and can you, can you imagine the Supreme Court was okay with some of this stuff, right? Like, yeah. hey, movies don't count, right? We're, they passed an, as the Sedition Act. Okay, you you can't criticize World War our involvement in a war. I mean, I guess I guess there's some silver lining or maybe some hope in some of this. Yes, we're not that bad today. At least everyone looks today and goes, well, clearly you can criticize U.S. involvement in war, just not COVID. Right, <laughs> just not COVID. <laughs> We've been through this before, basically, is what you're saying. Cycles. Yeah. Hey, by the yeah. way, we should plug. We didn't at the top of the show book club. Uh, we're reading the fourth turning, the is. which yeah. is all about cycles throughout history and how, and they wrote this book in 1997. It's about, they predicted a lot of the things that are happening right now in what they would call the fourth turning, these cycles that happen. And yeah. we're going to be discussing this live. If you guys want to join on Sunday, March 28th at 2 PM, Texas time. If you want to get more info, go to unsafespace.com, the book club page, and you can join. It's free to, join and participate in our book club and uh we have a lot of fun doing it so i hope you'll and this yeah. book is one of the best i think it one of the best uh it offers you one of the best ways of looking at everything that's happening now i think because it gives you a pattern cool. <clears throat> i i i admit i still haven't started it i'm a little bit ashamed uh, but i still haven't we already read that super chat by the way um which one jack the chavez chavez no, we haven't read that yet. Chavez says, Anna Garner is an attorney with a bachelor's in biology who is defending a corrections officer fighting mandatory vaccines in the workplace. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Cool. I'm going to look up Anna Garner. Yeah. Cheeky Mayor says, I've been watching older videos on a more casual upcoming one. I would love to hear more about Carter's NAP parenting. Uh-huh. Ooh, cool. 
What's NAP sure. parenting? Non-aggression principle is what she oh, means. Okay. I, I, I never really called it non-aggression principle parenting. I, I just peaceful parenting or whatever. Um, but my goal with, I'll just really quickly say my goal with parenting is, um, and I know a lot of parents disagree with this, so you don't have to yell at me. Uh, my goal with parenting is um, to teach, one of my goals is to teach children that um, their own judgment is what they need to rely on and to teach them to use that judgment to come to moral conclusions about things that are correct. So um, I don't like saying, because I told you so, for example. I don't like doing a lot of, um, I don't like doing a lot of punishment. I'm completely opposed, by the way, I'm opposed to spanking for a bunch of reasons, but not the least of which is, uh, it actually doesn't work, it's been proven, there's zero evidence that spanking works. Um, so it's just a wives tale that it matters. Um, it doesn't mean I'm opposed to like, I'm also a lot of people here when I, when I talk about peaceful parenting stuff, and they think I am just this permissive be your friend hippie parent, which is totally not the case like that is also horrible. So, you know, it's not one or the other. But um, what you don't want the reason you, you, you don't want to say, because I told you so or because this is the rule is what it teaches a child is that there are external rules over which they have no control, no input, and no understanding that they must just obey. It substitutes authority for thought. And so uh, what I always have tried to do from a very young age, and who knows whether I'll be successful, I don't know. What I've always tried to do from a, from a young age is to the extent that it was, you know, different age levels have different levels of comprehension explain the why behind something, right? Um, and obviously this doesn't apply to emergency situations. If your kid's about to run into the road, you grab them, right? That's the non-aggression principle doesn't even apply to emergency situations where you're, you know, you have a toddler who's running into the road, you grab the toddler and pull them out of the road so they don't get hit. Um, so don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying take, you don't take into a ridiculous level, but you want them to understand like, oh, here's an, I'll just give this example because I've given it a million times before uh, on, on the show, several times before at least. My daughter didn't want to brush her teeth when she was really young, right? And it was a big deal. And um, I've actually told a couple different tooth, I had a couple of different toothbrushing techniques, so I guess it was a big deal. But one of the toothbrushing techniques that worked well was, um, you know, I, was, I sat her down, I drew a picture, tried to explain like this is what happens, you know, cavities and blah 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 it kind of worked kind of didn't work she sort of got it so one day and you might think this was harsh but one day i went to google and i image searched cavities and i showed the images to her and i said this is why we brush our teeth this is what happens to your teeth if they're not clean and they're disgust the photos are disgusting and horrifying she never didn't brush her teeth after that. <laughs> like, yeah. after that, she was like, oh, I understand. I need my teeth. I don't want my teeth to look like that. Therefore, I'm going to brush my teeth. And you can say I traumatized her. I don't think so. But the truth is, those pictures are the reason that you brush your teeth. There yeah. isn't some abstract argument from, you know, a guy in a white coat. That's not the reason you brush your teeth. You brush your teeth because of the pictures of teeth yeah. on Google. Like you brush your teeth because that disgusting, horrible thing is a real thing that happens in the world. If you don't brush your teeth, that's why you brush your teeth. So yeah. exposing that to her and being like, this is why you brush your teeth. Um, 
I didn't really have to make arguments. Kids don't, no one wants their teeth to look like that. And I didn't even mention the pain that would be involved with teeth that look like yeah. that. But anyway, um, all right. Tax Terra, you want to do Tax Terra's? Tax Terra says evidence of certain vaccinations is needed for immigrant visas, generally MMR okay. and polio. Yeah, so that's what that's what I was that's what I was wondering about. Um, so you know, so they'll add COVID to that. This uh, is really funny. Jord the Canadian says you need to go to bed, but you can choose your gender. <laughs> <laughs> you need to go to bed, but you can choose your gender. Yeah, we never had a gender choice discussion. Oh, what? That's not a choosable thing. Uh, Babylon B, uh, sorry, the mic drop says the Babylon B addressed Biden's holiday ultimatum with this headline. Biden says if everyone is on their best behavior, he might allow some limited freedoms on July 4th. <laughs> <laughs> Celebrate your limited governor, governor <laughs> limited freedom today. Yeah, I don't, there are a large, there's a large percent of the population that honestly believes that our freedoms come from the government. They come from the Bill of Rights. So, all right, there's uh, a bunch more, but I can't put them on screen. Do you want to read them? Yeah, actually, let's see. I want to read this one. Aaron Goodman, 20 bucks. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. He says, I've heard SJW described as a cult. I think a cult is a group that claims to exist for its members, but actually exists for the benefit of its leader. So if SJW mm -hmm. is a cult, who are the leaders and how do they benefit? That's a great question. And actually, we did a video. Um, it's one of our first videos. And so. it's called SJW is a cult. We did two of them where we went through cult characteristics. And SJW fits a lot of them. But not, but with some notable exceptions, and one of those is it doesn't have a charismatic leader. Um, there are people who uh, can you pull up the cult characteristics checklist because I want to. Usually, I just refer to it by memory, but um, it would be great if we could just. We haven't looked at it in a while. These are some of the ones I remember that it fits. It discourages you from asking questions or from being curious about things, and obviously from disagreeing with any of the tenets of the belief system. And I mean, that's you a want very, me to put, put it on screen. Yeah, here? Let's put it on screen. That's a very big one is it, it keeps you from questioning it at all. Um, another big one is uh, before I look at the list, I'll just from memory. Another big one is that it, it encourages you to cut off contact with people who are not believers. And if you're a believer who defects, they have names for you. I mean, they basically think of you as an apostate or a heretic, you know, if you leave, it's like the worst just it's like worse another. than never having been there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Leaving is a, a greater sin than, than right. uh, not showing up here. Put the list up. Let's look at it. Cause this will be interesting. We haven't done this in a while. Okay. The group just dis displays excessively zealous and unquestioning commitment to its leader and whether he's alive or dead regards his belief system, ideology and practices as the truth of law. Now this is one of those notable exceptions is there is no one charismatic leader. It's it's uh, it's unique in that way. Um, it does. It, the group does display excessively zealous and unquestioning commitment to the belief system, to the ideology and believes in it as truth. Right. That that's true. Um, one of the ways you can think of it is uh, and, and I actually think this makes it harder to to combat it that it makes it harder for people to conceptualize it as a cult because there's not that one leader they can point to and say, you know, where's the David Koresh? 
where's the Jim Jones, you know, where's the Ron L. Hubbard, L. Ron Hubbard, you know, there's not that one guy that can point to, and that makes it harder to combat. But there are our friend, Gracie West, who is a, uh, a former social justice warrior like myself. She was also in it for decades and she has a, a channel called embarrassing mom. We've done an interview with her as well about what makes it like a cult. And she refers to some of the leaders in it as high priests and priestesses. And I, I started calling them that too, because there's a lot of these high priests in the movement, but they, they swap, they change over time. So currently, if you look at the state of social justice ideology in the mainstream, two of the biggest high priests right now are Ibram X. Kendi and Robin DeAngelo, but they won't always be because this belief system, they tear down the leaders and then there'll be new leaders yeah. that take their place. I kind of do you view this as like I kind of view this as like the this is the cult in term this is how a cult will be defined as like a monarchy cult but there's also like a more uh representative cult kind of like the reign of terror right there's mm-hmm. there's also the kind of cult where there's a bunch of representatives and they're fighting over power or there there's like some that are yes. in power at some point and they get unseated at some point and then there's a different group and like so it's kind of just like I, the 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 leader is that analogy works if it's like a monarchy type cult, but I think there can be a cult where it's not a monarchy; it's more of a representative cult, and there's a there's a body of representatives. Yes, it's actually for anyone who doesn't know what Carter's talking about, the Reign of Terror. Like, read some about the French Revolution and the Reign of Terror. Um, okay, so moving on, questioning, doubt, and dissent are discouraged or even punished. Absolutely, <laughs> you're not allowed. There's a, this is an orthodoxy. It's a fundamentalist belief system. You're not allowed to question um, mind-altering practices such as meditation or chanting or speaking in tongues or denunciation sessions or debilitating work routines are used in excess to serve to suppress doubts about the group and its leaders. Absolutely, they do. Um, they do a lot of these uh, uh, sessions where you're, it's a group session and you're being called to, I mean, they're doing this now with taxpayer money in the federal government with the Sandia labs, you know, this uh, who's, who's the guy that broke that story? Sandia labs. Casey Peterson. Casey Peterson, the, the employee who was the whistleblower there, they, they were, they were isolating the white male employees and making them do these, trainings, these diversity, inclusion, equity trainings, where they basically are are talking to them about how they need to overcome their white privilege and their toxic masculinity. And um, if you don't think that these function like brainwashing, I don't think you, I, I mean, I think you need to read a little bit more about history and about how people are indoctrinated, you know, into belief systems. Yeah, the other thing they do, they, Carrie, is they have like phrases that are repeated, like there's there's a lot of I, I wouldn't necessarily them call them like chanting because they're not chanted, but there are like phrases about check your privilege, um, do the work. Uh, like they have these kind of catchphrases. White fragility is a catchphrase. They have these catchphrases that are used as arguments when they're not arguments at all. They're just kind of almost like prayers to yeah. they're almost prayers to the group of like signals. Here are my catchphrases you know, blah, 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 blah. I've said my catchphrases. That signals my, um, yes. I'm part of the and Borg. The, 
And they make them do these, these confessionals where, you know, as a result of these trainings, like at the Sandia Labs example, they would make them write these apologies on behalf of white men to, right. to write apologies to groups of people, to women and to people of color. It's like forced right. confessionals. They're exactly uh, struggle sessions from communist yeah, China. I mean, if you, yes. if you know the Chinese Cultural Revolution, they are struggle sessions, basically. Uh, less violent so far, but... They're total struggle sessions. Um, okay, the leadership dictates, sometimes in great detail, how members should think, act, and feel. For example, members must get permission to date, change jobs, or marry, or leaders prescribe what to wear, where to live, whether to have children, how to discipline children, and so forth. Okay, let me Let me say something about this. Again... There's not one specific leader and the, and the people who are kind of seen as the high priests of the movement will change over time. But they absolutely, within this belief system, try to give advice on how you should how you should think, of course, how you should act. They teach you to, um, in terms of acting and, and behaving in the world, how you behave. They tell you that you must treat people differently on the basis of race and sex. That when you meet a person, you're doing a catalog of what of their immutable characteristics, and now you got to treat them differently, not based on what what race they are, what sex they are, what sexuality they are. That you have to become a racist and a sexist, basically. Um, how to feel? They they tell you that if if you are a person who's in one of their so called oppressor groups, that that your emotions are a form of of the, uh, the it's a way that you oppress others. And so they do things like mock white tears, male tears. I'm sure you guys have seen these phrases. Oh, that's your white tears. Oh, that's your male tears. They do at some of these workshops where white women pay lots of money to go and be told how they're racist. Um, they tell them that they need to sit in their discomfort. And <laughs> they basically mock any of any emotion that they have. And they also tell them that it's a it's a form of manipulation that they're trying to oppress when they, when they have emotions. So it, 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 it definitely, they try to have control over what you feel. Um, then they, they say, uh, look, look at this permission to date, change jobs, et cetera. Okay. Well, they don't necessarily, they don't say you can, or can't take this, but they do a lot of opinion pieces lately about how, uh, where they, where they try to call into question whether or not you should interracially date because they say there's a power imbalance there because you guys are different races. And they also have started coming out pretty openly against interracial adoption. Or yeah, and, don't, and so, don't you remember the whole also like don't sleep with Trump supporters thing? Like they, yeah. they had all these articles about don't date these people and don't. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, they and, tell and you, articles about getting divorced because my husband might be a wrong thinker. Yeah. They also say, um, OK, leaders prescribe what to wear. I've seen countless articles. This is a big thing. This is where the, their cultural appropriation accusation comes in. I've seen articles where they say white women should not wear toe rings. White women should not wear saris. Um, white women should not wear, oh gosh, what was the one? Oh, uh, name necklaces. There's a whole article about how white women are, what? if you have a necklace with your name on it, like if I had a necklace that said Carrie, I'm culturally appropriating that from Latina women. And that's a, that's offensive and oppressive for me to wear that, and to wear a toe ring is oppressive for me to wear that. <laughs> I shouldn't do yoga. Sometimes they're so dumb. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, you know the rules are so dumb. Yeah, I shouldn't wear a kimono. Uh, I shouldn't wear. You know, th they have a whole list of what you're allowed to wear and what you're not allowed to wear. 
Yeah, remember the article about the that Caucasian high school girl who wore uh, an Asian dress for her prom and got yeah. totally totally attacked for it. Yeah, yeah, you're not allowed to wear dreadlocks if you're if you're white. You know, there's, there's just a whole whole bunch of things. Um, the group has. Oh, wait, the group is elitist, claiming a special exalted status for itself and its leaders and its members. Um, You know, the leaders consider the Messiah or a special being of some kind, an avatar or or the group and or the leader is on a special mission to save humanity. Well, isn't that how many times have you heard them say we're on the right side of history? (laughs) Well, I mean, that's what the word woke means. We're special. We're woke. You're asleep. Yeah, we (laughs) are special. We're here to save the world. We're here to, you know, we're, we're, uh, our tyranny is benevolent. (laughs) Right. 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 Which, which leads into the next one, right? It's the same as it's similar to the next one. The group has a polarized us versus them mentality, which may conflict, which may cause conflict with the wider society. Ah, come on. (laughs) You think? I mean, you think if you're not woke, well, you must be a fascist. Uh, the leader is not accountable to any authorities, unlike, for example, teachers, military commanders, or ministers. Well, that one we're going to skip over because, again, there's not one. Well, leader. actually, but that but that leader that leader cabal isn't. Yeah. Right. What That's kind of true. That those high priestesses aren't really accountable to any authorities. They can get other high priests and priestesses can turn on them, and the group can change. But like, they are like the leader is not held accountable. Like, no one from the outside can can criticize. Yeah. their behavior right they they can do whatever they want there's no they can say anything they want it's never racist it's never wrong like everything they do is in the service of anti-racism or whatever um so there's because there are double standards this is my point there's definitely double standards by which they are judged versus the average person would be judged yeah the group teaches or implies that it's supposedly exalted ends okay they're they're this absolutely applies. Justify whatever means it deems necessary. This may result in members participating in behaviors or activities they would have considered reprehensible or unethical before joining the cult, i.e. lying to family or friends or collecting money for bogus charities. Let me tell you about this one. This is a big one. They get away with a lot of the stuff they get away with because they are telling you, hey, this belief system is about ending racism and sexism, guys. And once they get you to believe that, then they tell you, hey, the definitions of racism and sexism that you know are wrong. And, and the real definitions are prejudice plus power. And because certain groups don't have power and other groups do have power, therefore, it's not racist or sexist to be prejudiced towards this particular race or this particular sex. It's impossible, in fact. In fact, you should treat people differently on the basis of race and sex. So they get people, think about how evil this is. They get people the well-intentioned people who are in it. And a lot of you have friends and family members who are in this. I know they, they get them, they pray, they pray on their um, good naturedness. They pray on their desire to be against bigotry and to be against racism and sexism. And they, and then they get those people to start behaving in racist and sexist ways to start treating people differently on the basis of race and sex. And, but Hey, it's, it's for good ends. It's, it's justified because it's all for a good end. I know you, I know it sounds like you shouldn't be treating people differently on the basis of race and sex, but trust us, this is going to end racism and sexism. We have such amazingly pure ends, right? Well, Um, there's literally just to remind people, there's literally a group in, I think it's in Berkeley 
uh, Yvette Falarka was famous member of this group called By Any Means Necessary. <laughs> like, yeah, there's that's literally their name by any means necessary. So, yeah, yeah they explicitly said they should use any means violence. It doesn't matter things that people would normally find reprehensible because their ends justified whatever means they wanted to use. Yeah. All right. The leadership induces feelings of shame and or guilt in order to influence and control members. Often this is done through peer pressure and other subtle forms of persuasion. I mean, this is a big flashing thing in SJW ideology. You are supposed to feel great shame and guilt for your immutable characteristics, which you have no control over, like what sex you are, what race you are, what sexuality you are. Like you're supposed to be uh, uh, shameful. They, they prey on your shame and they, and they manipulate you in that way because you have to show that you're virtuous and you're not like the other men. You're not like the other white people. You know, you have to set yourself apart. And if you join this social justice cult, you know, we're going to give you uh, love bombs. We're going to talk, you know, we're going to raise you up as a great ally uh, we might even let you reach the status of high priestess like Robin DeAngelo, where you make a bunch of money writing about this stuff. Uh, so, you know, all you need to do is get on board, apologize for your whiteness or your maleness and speak on behalf of an entire group of people and uh, and start treating people differently on the basis of race and sex and, you know, doing everything we tell you to do. Right. Um, <clears throat> you want to read that one? So- well, so I mean, <laughs> this is, again, one of these just on-the-nose ones. We've talked about it a lot. Subservience to the leader or group requires members to cut ties with family and friends and radically alter the personal goals and activities they had before joining the group. I mean, that, that's exactly what happens with social justice, right? They they ostracize people. There's articles written about cutting ties, not ha- not going to Thanksgiving. Um, like, they they explicitly say... Um, you must be anti-racism, not just not racist. They, so they've activism is built into this, which is actually related to the next one, which is the group is preoccupied with bringing in new members. You are like, this is, becomes part of who you are and it affects everyone around you. This is why they have no friends outside of their social justice circles mm-hmm. because they reject everyone outside of their social justice circles. The group is preoccupied yeah. with bringing new members. Check. Okay, now this one is not really a check. This depends. It depends. Yeah. The group is preoccupied with making money. That depends. For for the the rotating cast of leaders, absolutely. I mean, they bring down tens of thousands of dollars just for an hour lecture at a university. You know, Ibram X. Kendi is just got ten million dollars from Twitter. I mean, and and a three. Uh, a three project deal at Netflix, I believe. I mean, the people at the top of this make a lot of money and they, and the people who are running these sort of uh, snake oil salesman workshops where you pay to be um, told what a racist you are, you know, they make a lot of money doing that. Like just preying on gullible shame filled SJW women, white women, you know, pay us and we give you this temporary absolution from whiteness, you know, (laughs) like, so, but on the whole, a lot of people get sucked into it uh, or not. I don't think they're preoccupied with making money, but they are preoccupied with the distribution of money. And they're preoccupied with, somebody said this in chat. It's true. Zato says replace money with power. 
They are preoccupied yes. with power. Everything about this belief system, it's built around power. The whole ideology at the center of it, power. Yep, that's an excellent observation. Members are expected to devote inordinate amounts of time to the group and the group-related activities. This is an absolute check. They are... They, they expect you to be a zealot to the point where if you share things on your social media that are joyful or relaxing, they will a lot of times come after you and attack you because that's your privilege at work. How dare you share pictures of your graduation and and you pictures, joyful pictures of you with your grandma uh, on a day when other, on a week when other people are posting about George Floyd, you know, how dare you with your privilege? Like they just, you are supposed to be constantly quote, doing the work they are like you always need to be doing the work and you need to put on these social justice glasses that make you look at everything as racist and sexist and you need to always be wearing these glasses and you have to interrogate everything and find the racism and find the sexism and always be posting about it and talking about it yep i mean the last two are also just glaring yeah. check boxes of yes members are encouraged to require or required to live and or socialize only with other members of the group well yeah, of course, because this is the guilt by association. How could you possibly be, how could you retweet the wrong person? How could you, how could you eat dinner with the wrong person? How could you be friends with the wrong person? So you only, you can only spend time with or socialize with uh, other group members. And the last one, the most loyal members feel there can be no life outside the context of the group. They believe there is no other way to be and often fear reprisals to themselves or others if they leave or even consider leaving the group. I mean, Carrie, that sounds yeah. like we've talked about that extensively, yeah. right? Yeah, there's no other way to be. And and they and they're afraid. I mean, people stay in it because of fear. You know, right. you're you're going to lose. It took me it's not a it's not an easy or short transition. It took me a long time to to get out of this way of thinking. And and then also you're dealing with the fear of what happens if you say anything if you have any opinion that is not uh, considered ideologically pure. You know, you're going to oh. lose people. You're going to lose friends. You're going to be yeah. called all kinds of names. I mean, they're going to treat you like a heretic, but they're going to call you a Nazi, white supremacist, a red pill troll, uh, uh, alt-right. You know, you get called all those names. Speaking well, of and which, you may you may lose your job. You may, like, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely consequences. I, I know we have to power through some more super chats, but... I just want to make sure we cover this. So could we play, because this is a good segue into, could we play Sarah Silverman's clip? Um, uh, I got to find it, actually. Okay. So for um, anyone, I'll just set it up. For anyone who hasn't seen this, we talked about it in the private speakeasy yesterday, but um, Sarah Silverman on her podcast, I won't say she's renounced wokeness. I don't think that's what's happening here. But what I what I do think is happening here is, there's a crack in the foundation of her ideology. And I don't know what her journey is going to be like from here on out, but it could be that she eventually renounces wokeness. She's definitely, I'll let you see for yourself what she says, but she's definitely um, uh, clearly pained by what she sees happening around her in the social justice left. She's also uh, strong enough to say it out loud, which is, impressive i mean i have to give her kudos for that for being strong enough to vocalize this and and her mind is opening a bit i think and and i i would want to say i mean there are people in, who were saying well can't we be skeptical of this sure you can be skeptical i think you should be skeptical uh but 
I get the impression she's sincerely having her mind opened a little. And my inclination is to be forgiving and patient and try and, and offer and extend grace and patience to people because look, she's coming from a place that doesn't offer any of that. You're coming from a, a fundamentalist totalitarian belief system that doesn't offer patience or grace. And if you're just now opening the door crack and then you get it slammed in your face by people who are also not offering grace or, or patience, then why would you leave? It's the same over there. Okay. I guess I'll just stay here. You know, my inclination is to be very patient with people who are starting to open their mind. And I really do think it helps to think of it as leaving a cult because that takes a while. It's not a fast thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, here, do you want to watch for a little clip here? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's Sarah Silverman. And of course, as soon as I said that, it doesn't load. Oh. <laughs> Hold on for a minute. You want to watch the little wheel go round and round on her nose or on her cheek? There you go. Let's uh, <laughs> let's see if this loads this time. Yeah. All right. Absolutist ness of the party. I let's full screen it. Let's try this again. It's the absolutistness of the party I am in. That is such a turnoff to me. It's so fucking elitist, you know, for something called progressive, it allows for zero progress. It's all or nothing, no steps toward all or fucking nothing. Again, righteousness porn. That's a great phrase. And I've been thinking about this a lot, just in general. I, I just, I don't know that I want to be associated with any party. I really, I think I don't want to be associated with any party anymore. It just, it comes with too much baggage. That is a hard thing to say. Every party for her. comes with so much yeah. fucking baggage that no ideas can be taken at face value. And without ideas, what are we? Without a common truth, how can we talk about it? You know, Republicans might hear an idea that they would totally agree with, but if it comes from AOC, then they hate it. And of course, you know, to be honest, when I hear an idea that comes from a Republican, it's suspect to me. We all put we all put too much shit on this stuff. We no longer are able to be a nation of ideas. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. it's probably tough to say just that. I know there's a lot of criticisms you can make to that. But it probably is tough for her just to, yeah, just to say that little bit yeah. that she said. Um, Absolutely, so. that's got to take extreme strength that she's gotten to a place where she can say that, and she's probably been coming to this conclusion slowly. If it, if she's anything like me, it probably took her a while to get over her fear of even saying that. And yeah. you know, something I said in the private speakeasy was. Um, these are baby steps leaving a cult. 
you, you, you know, not everybody has to come over to your way of thinking right away. And, and, and it's unreasonable. I think it's unrealistic to think they will. It's a slow thing. And, and in fact, if the, if what they want to do is help their woke friends understand what they're saying and to see what they're seeing, to see the problems with social justice ideology that they're seeing, which is what I wanted to do when I, you know, especially when I first started seeing all the problems with it, then they're probably after making an admission like this, they're probably going to also start posting about some of the social justice things they still agree with because they want those friends of theirs to see, oh, I guess she's not like whatever stereotype the friend has of an alt-right person. So right after this, I mean, she was sharing some woke stuff on Twitter, which I fully expected because she's showing to her group, her social media echo chamber is, is thoroughly woke. And so if she has any hope of reaching those, that's who she's talking to. She's not talking to us. She's talking to those people. She's talking to woke people. And so you can't just, you know, completely, you're not going to, and, and you're probably also not even, you know, when I first started leaving card, I don't know if you remember this, but the very first interview I did after my essay, oh, I'm blanking on that guy's show. I was so Oh, nervous. I remember. I watched that. Uh, remember? It, it was that like Russian guy or something like that? Yeah. Or, uh, wait, yeah. Jamie Glazov. Jamie Glasgow. Okay. So that interview, I was still, I still had a lot of cult doctrine in my head. And even though I was oh, yeah. speaking about the dangers of social justice, I said in that interview, I still believe in white privilege. I still think it's a, a problem. And I think, you know, and I did, <laughs> you don't leave this thing all at once. Right. Like that's, right. that just goes to show you like, you, and, and people were gracious and kind to me. I did not. It's get, actually I, suspect if you leave it all at once, because it definitely it, is <laughs> right. Because it means that you like, that's too much to process mentally instantaneously. Like you can't like, just leave. Like, that oh, means that you're to, just jumping yeah. onto another ship or another. Yeah, like I went right? to one rally and I changed my whole belief system. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I just, I find it to be, I find it to be more, if you can afford to do it, valuable to to try and grow empathy for people who are slowly coming to some of the realizations or the beliefs that you may have held for a long time. Who cares if they're late to the party? Who cares if they're late? I understand being suspect and I also be understand, believe me, being suspect of charlatans and whatever, but I don't get that impression from her. She seems like that was painful for her to even say that a little bit. So I wish but her she's well. She's probably a, a typical... New York liberal who got sucked into wokeness because, well, everyone's yeah. getting sucked into wokeness and, and especially in her career. And, uh, you know, good for her for that. We'll see how far she comes along, but yeah. um, at least it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Let's do some okay, more super chats because we have these. a like, yeah. yeah, we've got a lot here. Um, so, Azor says Google still doesn't show U.S. recovery numbers. I didn't notice that, but uh, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I guess we could be. I'll fight you naked says, does anyone think Biden survives four years? Every time I see him speak, I feel like there's a non-zero chance I'm going to see him die on camera. Uh, I think he'll last four years. I think he'll I mean, last He doesn't have years. to do much. He just has to. You know they can pump him full of some drugs. He just he can get a lot of sleep. He, I don't think he's making a lot of decisions. So, you know he could he can basically they can turn the White House into a, a retirement 
home for him, and I I don't think it's a problem. Um, By the way, Z- somebody somebody uh-huh. says Gilbert says no, she will follow further down the hole. She is going to go Green Party. My bet. Well, that might be the case, Maybe. but I still think it's you know not everyone has the same trajectory, and I think I think it's great just that her mind is starting to open a little, but. Um, I went Green Party, by the way, originally when I first left the cult. Did you? I, I did. Remember. I changed it when I before I moved out of California. <laughs> I changed my. I voted for Bernie in 2016, and then when I saw what the DNC did to him, I changed my party affiliation to Green, which was a huge step for me. Wow. <laughs> anyway, and then he voted for Ted Cruz. And then I ultimately ended up Trump. voting for Ted Cruz two years <laughs> later. That came a long way in two years. And yeah, Trump, I, actually. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that took a long time. Yeah. Uh, Zat Zato, do you want to do Zato or do you want me to do it? I can only see them if you put them on the screen now because I can't. I just I just tried to scroll back and I can't go back. No, you, you have to log into the little tool, even though the tool is very <laughs> janky. It's still it still works. It's there. Uh, it's extremely tool. difficult, huh? Okay. Nothing. I said you're a tool. I know. <laughs> it's extremely difficult to get to even get accurate COVID numbers. Does anyone even trust what the CDC puts out? Current narrative is Texas is surging. There was an uh, there was a paper that Thomas St. Thomas shared, and I meant to go through it a few coffee breaks ago, but we never had the opportunity. And um, if I can recall, I'm sorry, this is off the top of my head, and I'm not prepped for this, but uh, the gist of the paper it was they, someone looked at the CDC uh, rules for how they measure cases, like what counts as a as a case as a positive case, and in the past there had been a standard for any kind of pandemic for what you know how you measure it and what what the case what a case means and they threw that standard out completely for COVID at and without any um external input they just kind of threw the standard out and there was even a question in this paper of if if what they were doing was even legal in terms of how they were collecting the data and the lack of transparency and the lack of meeting previous standards that had been held so uh, I, I think there is definite legitimacy to like, it, it's definitely not crazy to question the CDC's numbers. It's, yeah. it's absolutely a, a rational thing to be doing given that piece of information. Uh, and the fact that you've got, you know, zero deaths from flu and all that kind of other stuff. It's like, okay, something's weird here. And, and the fact that you are not allowed to question is probably the biggest red flag, right? <laughs> like, I have a question right. about you're not allowed. Okay, well, that's immediately you know where to, like, where are they covering it up? The area where you're not allowed to ask if they're covering it up. <laughs> like, that's very obvious. It's like, it's like, you know, you're looking for the cookies and someone's like, well, as long as you don't look in the cookie jar on the fridge, <laughs> you can look anywhere you want. It's like, well, I know where the cookies are now. Like, thank you. Thank um you. G-Man says, Biden's fake stories are all like Mad Libs. When I was in blank, I met blank. I'll never forget. She told me blank. Therefore, <laughs> we must all blank. <laughs> yes, well, and I think soon he might use the word blank and reveal himself <laughs> when telling one of those stories. You could also do that with Trump, though. Trump is also sort of, he That's would true. say, I like the way he, whenever he talked about someone, he's like, he's a, blank is a good man. Blank is the best got the biggest got the he does a lot he of does a lot of praise for yeah. the people that he's yeah and that's a that's a new york style um that's a new york style negotiation thing like you'll he'll get because he wrote about this actually in um in one of his books i remember like you'll get the 
the like the union construction dude or whatever in the room and like maybe you actually hate it, it doesn't matter like you're on the other he's across the table in negotiation and like there's two things that you'll do one is you'll puff up your own chest but you'll also just like praise him usually just make crap up Joe, I just ran into Joe on the street, and he said, you are the best union boss the union's ever had. You're a great wow. guy. I mean, I hear nothing but praise for you. You're excellent. Like, he'll do that kind of crap. Um, so that's the, that's the Trump thing. So, yeah. Um, Biden's got his thing. Trump had his thing. Uh, George the Canadian gives us 14 bucks and says, just want to support you. Thank you, George. Thanks Thank for being you. voices of rationality, hope, and truth. If we ever end up in a woke internment camp together... I'll gladly share my vegan rations with you. Well, I want a portion of your bugs, but other than that, that's a thank you for the offer, Jord. Uh, <laughs> I want the bug slurry. Is that a I reference just want a couple spoonfuls. to the Great Reset? We have a series called The Great Reset that's hosted by um, Comics Division. And I think mm -hmm. he had a, I haven't seen the most recent episode, but is it about eating bugs? He did talk about eating bugs. Yeah. Okay. I got to watch and there that were, one. I, I saw some people say like, well, it's not that crazy. Some cultures do eat bugs. That's true. Some cultures do eat bugs, um, but not ours. So it's a little bit unusual. <laughs> like it's not a normal thing here. Some cultures Mealworms throw, don't look attractive to me. Yeah. Some cultures throw gay people off of buildings. I mean, right. I don't want to be in that culture either. Hey, look, I, I don't think there's anything immoral with eating bugs. Like that's no, fine. I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I like, and I don't want to be preached at about having to eat mealworms. When cows are fine. Yeah. Um, cows are delicious. All right. Cheeky Mare says, also from a previous video, a good way to become uncancelable is to become debt-free. Less financial stress equals less fear of losing your job. That's a good point. And I would like to – I'm going to use this opportunity to recommend a book. If you um, if you actually are want to be uncancelable, I think this book was not written for this purpose. But Anti-Fragile is an excellent – it's a uh, – Taleb wrote it uh, – mm -hmm. Nassim Taleb wrote it, and it is specifically about um, living your life in a way so that when a uh, a singular event, like a black swan event or something else, comes along, um, you are not hurt by it, but you can actually thrive in it. That's what anti-fragile means. So a fragile lifestyle is one where if there's a, an upset, um, your life falls apart. Uh, and then you can be kind of neutral. You can be robust against it and like neutral against it. By the way, it's been years since I read the book, so I'm sorry if my summary is not perfect. But you can be kind of you know robust against it. Where if if a singularity happens or some black swan event happens, then you don't uh, suffer. Or you can actually be anti-fragile. So with turbulence, with unpredictability, with these black swan events, when things happen, uh, you actually can thrive. And that's the point of of the book. It's a good book. Mandy asks us, Mandy, the Russian bot, asks us, what are your opinions on reptile society? I'm pretty sure that was directed at you since I have no idea what she's talking about. Uh, reptile society. I don't know. I'm trying to get to where I can see the chats, but I don't know. I, what you're my talking. only opinion is I'm not a big fan of Nancy Pelosi. Uh, Pirate Tomsky says, X Kendi wasn't held accountable when he said he was glad his daughter wasn't trans. I forgot about that, but that's oh, a good yeah. point. But at some point when they do come for him, they'll, even if things don't take down these woke uh, pre, high priests and priestesses at the time, they save those things. Yeah, and they'll use things, it later. They'll use it retroactively. Whenever they yeah. do want to take him down, then they'll bring that up. Like, just take it to the bank. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. Uh, 
Neva Davis says, I was in a religious cult as a kid, and then my friends went to SJ went SJW and gave me cult flashbacks. I sent Carrie a couple messages, would love to chat about. Wow. Oh, cool. I mean, not cool that you're in a cult, but cool that you messaged me. I just, <laughs> I haven't been, I have a, a lot of backlog and messages right now, but um, uh, look, let me tell you where to send it to get the best chances of, of a sooner response. Um, go to speak at unsafespace.com and send an email there. Yep. Cool. Okay. Uh... I also was in religious cult as a kid, but my friend so was Carter. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Joyner. You want to do Andrew Joyner? I can put him on screen. Boom. Yes. You see the article in Forbes, quote, should white women like Robin DeAngelo be making so much money from anti-racism? End quote. People are onto her, I think. I did not see that article, but I knew that was coming. And there will, trust me, there's going to be more like that. She'll eventually come down because of that. She's making so much money on, on the back of this uh white fragility stuff, this white woman preaching about uh, how all white people are racist. And, um, you know, she's she knows how to make it work for her. I'll, I'll give her that. Megan Why Kelly, this is from Kent. Megan Kelly won the anti-woke lottery a couple years ago. She never apologized and got paid $62 million to leave. Oh, wow. That's a lot of money. I didn't realize that. But sounds sure sounds like she won the anti-woke lottery. What's that? I don't. I don't understand what she get paid to leave for. Is she? She's not anti-woke. She, she. She no, but she said something that pissed off the wokies, and then oh. I, I'm assuming she they had to pay her to get her out of her contract. I don't know. I don't oh, remember what, okay. what she said, but uh, I, I thought she was at like Fox News or was this after that somewhere else? I think it was somewhere else. Oh, because she left Fox. She probably went to somewhere more woke than Fox. Was said this something when, and they had to buy her out. That's was this when she got in trouble for saying that? Kids should be able to wear what they want for Halloween. Was that that? Oh, maybe. Was that? Did she? Was she the one that said that? That tweet? I think so. I can't remember. I, I mean, can you imagine? It's 2021, and we're like, is that the one who said kids should wear what they want for Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> that outrageous thing. Remember that outrageous claim? <laughs> uh, I think it's the last one. Yay. Crickets taste like almonds, says I'll fight you naked. Weird <laughs> texture, though. Ew. Almonds. I'm kidding. I like almonds. You know, I had I had I had a uh, a friend. He was actually my boss uh, years ago, and he could not stand almond extract, the smell of almond extract, because he claimed that when he was a kid, he would crush earwigs and it smelled like earwigs. So I oh. believe you. Actually, that crickets taste like almonds because he claims that there's some kind of correlation between bugs and almond extracts. So. A couple people in the chat say, yeah, that was it. She, it was the Halloween comments. But somebody else says, if it was about blackface, she did apologize about that. Oh, oh yeah, did she, maybe. Did she do a blackface thing? Uh, Daniel Keene says, wasn't it her who asked if it was appropriate to darken skin for costumes, not blackface, just a darker hue? I don't know. Maybe. I don't I don't know. There's too I many mean, of she, the cancelings. Did I she ask remember. it on The View or something that we're not supposed to be paying attention to? Because I don't Gosh, what a terrible show. <laughs> uh, it is a horrible show. People are, you guys are fun in the chat today. People are talking about lobsters. I don't, lobsters are fine. I, I'll eat a lobster. I just, yeah, lo like sea bugs are different. Yeah. Sea bugs are a different category. Yeah, I just don't want to. <laughs> We're all rational. <laughs> We're all rational. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, by, by the way, that is one thing that um, I, I 
it's kind of fun and also like tests tests you to live with someone who grew up in a completely different culture. Um, because when my my wife just eats things that are, I'm just like, I don't. She's like, what? This is. We had a whole argument once about. I claim that uh, ducks do not have chins, but you can buy duck chins at Chinese places in the city. Wow. I don't know what they are. They don't look delicious, but she really likes the duck chins, and uh, I'm pretty sure those are fictitious body parts. Ew. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I are you like gonna do? to eat. Okay, here's one that. Uh my fella doesn't like that i like is um like prawns and crawfish how can you not like mm. crawfish and be from texas i mean mm. yeah it's got a head on it but you just take the head off and that's you're supposed to take the head off or not <laughs> or not <laughs> yeah i remember i was in uh i was in japan once and i ate a i i was surprised it was on the menu because i was like well this is weird it was like a i think it was a sparrow and I was like, who eats sparrows? But I'm like, I guess it's like a bird, like chicken, sure. So I ordered a sparrow skewer and I was with people so that like I had to eat whatever, like I had to, I felt obligated to eat it. And uh, it was a sparrow. It was defeathered and skewered, but it was all there. Beak, head, bones, you just eat the whole sparrow. Um, that was so pleasant. When I lived in uh, Tanzania, we did, I, I was pescatarian then. Um, actually, when I first went there, I was vegetarian. And then I slowly started eating seafood in Tanzania, actually, because one did of Did they my have a lot of seafood there? No, it's just that one of my homestay mamas really wanted to feed me meat because it's, meat is expensive. And so it's an honor to be able to afford meat. Or if you can give your guest meat, it's an honor, right? And so okay. they were always trying to feed me meat. And I finally said, okay, I'll eat fish. And she was so excited. Then it was like every meal she was making fish. So I could have, <laughs> I came in and this was in one of the wealthier families I stayed with. They act, they had electricity, everything like a modern home. Um, and she had a little fryer that she plugged in and she had cut the fish up into, she'd cut the fish into strips and deep and was deep frying it. I came in, she said, fish sticks. Like somebody told her Americans <laughs> like to eat fish and like to eat their fish and sticks. <laughs> so she was making fish sticks. But um, so then anyway, I did start eating fish there. But um, with an exception, we had this ceremony where all the students, we had been off staying with our own family, homestay families for a while, one of our homestay families. And then we all came back together for this ceremony in this one town. And uh, our Mualemu, he was our like group teacher that traveled us. He had told us we were going to do a ceremony where they gave us African cake. And we, it was, we were supposed to like feed a piece to our mama and our Baba, and then they feed one to us. And he didn't tell us what African cake was, I think, because he wanted to surprise us because he, he was a bit of a trickster. But they roll out this entire goat and the goat is like sitting on a bed of like lettuce and the whole thing, the head, everything. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, I got to eat that? I did. I did have a bite of the goat because I felt like disappoint everyone and not go along <laughs> with the cultural norms or just eat a piece of goat. So I ate a piece of goat. I hey, I had a I had a friend from Kenya who like she there was one of the things she missed the most about Kenya was like goat like big 
goat ceremonies where they would like eat goats for for every holiday. She was like, "Let's get a goat." I'm like, I don't even know where to get a goat. I don't know how do you get a goat and cook a goat, but I you know you what? A, goats are very and actually one of the family I stayed with raised goats, and you know, so so they were always trying to get me to eat goat, but I only ate it the one time. But you know what I told them? They were trying to ask me why it is. You imagine trying to explain cultural differences or something with limited use of the language. And I had taken Swahili for four years, but I still had limited use of the language. So um, I would just say, they were like, why are you vegetarian? You know, they would ask me that in Swahili. And I was like, well, Beberu di Madrafiki, which means goats are my friends. <laughs> that's, the only, <laughs> that's the only way I could figure out how to say something. And my baba just was just dying laughing like, look at this white person. Goats are her friends. And like, They're like, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, this is our I, goat, Charlie. Just, yeah, you need to figure out how to say... Um, because I'm from a, a wealthy country and we can start worrying about like pathetic things like where our calories come from where you know (laughs) we we can go on crusades for irrelevancies because you know that's what we do you know one of his favorite things to do last last story was they had had a a student stay with them the year before and they had pictures of her that she had sent once she got back home and one was of her and her dog dressed in a little outfit and he just that was the funniest thing he was like look at what like look at this dog in clothing, you know, and they would like pass the picture around and laugh at us. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, mm. yeah, we do put yeah. dogs in clothes. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can, you want me to end on a uh, dark note or no? No, we're laughing at Okay. I'll stop What's that. the dark note? No, save it. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you. Uh, no, you know what? I think you'll be mad if I say it, so I won't even say it. Okay. Um, but I will read a super chat. Cole Wilson says, okay. Carrie, new unsafe space cadet here in Valente, Lake Travis. Lake Travis. Cool. Woo-hoo. No Agent Smith wokesters out here. Feels like old Austin. Y'all rock. Cool. Nice to meet you. I love meeting people in Austin. Hey, um, go to civilitydinner.com and send me a message because we, we just had our first civility dinner in Austin in a while uh, last month. And we're going to do another one soon. So hit me up. Yeah. Cool. Everyone's wanting me to say it. I'm not going to say it, guys. It'll be another. Maybe I'll say it on a speaking. Say it on so. another one. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. All right. It is definitely time to go. I think it's been a good two hour. Go have your break. Uh, we are having. <clears throat> you know what? I should have prepped so I could say who it was. We're having at least two extra guests on Friday. I think it's Mikey and Cameron Pasha. Um, and we are starting to get into the habit of like having guests for Go Heavy Break. So we're going to have. Uh, a more, I think the analogy we used previously was more frivolity, or not analogy, but the description was more frivolity and more Friday night tights type of feel to the show. So on Friday, it will not be just two of us. It will be, I think, four of us. So it should be fun. I just learned a quote from Benjamin Franklin. Well done is better than well said. <laughs> Let's just do it. Okay. Wait, wait. If you're going to do, I've been liking this quote. And this is a nerdy quote, but I really like it. I've been sharing with people lately because it's how I feel about... I remember the other day I said... I don't know if I said this on air or if I said it in a company meeting, but it doesn't matter. I, I don't like the word philosophy. I wish I could come up with a better word um, for a b- variety of reasons. This is from uh, Diderot, who was writing the encyclopedia in France in like uh, 1750 time frame. Like, But he writes... 
A thing that I consider intolerable is that one should lean upon some ancient writer's authority in questions that require only the use of reason. That's like my motto. I love that. <laughs> I love that quote. I think it's an awesome quote. So I'll, uh, that's my ending quote. It's not have as fun, a, I guess. Sorry. It's fun. <laughs> have a good rest of your week. We'll see you guys later. All right. You too, go pick, up, go pick up the fourth turning. Yeah, I know. I got to go start. Go start reading it. Don't be me. You should start already. Yeah. It's a long book. So start the fourth turning. All right. Bye, everyone. Okay, bye. Have a good one. We will see you at some point in the future. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. The following co-conspirators have confessed to crimes against the sacred oligarchy. To protect your freedom, any association with these individuals will result in criminal prosecution and social credit penalties. You are welcome. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Did you know that once a species has been sufficiently domesticated, it will become unable to survive on its own? I really don't know what made me think of that just now. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.